The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hmm? Ah! You were free. You had no god. That thing you built isn't God. The real gods are coming. And they're very angry. Everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm David, and this is House Podcastica Westworld Edition. This week we're covering Westworld season three, episode one, Parse Domain. And we've just been standing around naked in this dark warehouse for a couple of years, so it's nice to be <laughs> turned back on again. Uh, can I just say pronunciation? Parse Domain, Parse Domine. I think it's actually Parche Domine. Okay. Because I listened to the chant and they said, Parche Domine. Oh, nice. Um, so I've made my first mistake of the new season literally <laughs> five seconds into the podcast. It's nice how they make, yeah, they make them so realistic, like by uh, programming in those little oddities so they don't seem too perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Intentional flaws. So welcome back to the podcast. David, did you binge? You guys rewatched the whole series, right? We did. Um, we actually were a little spotty about season one, mm. um, but did rewatch uh, all of season two in order. So that was the third watching because we watched every episode at least twice during the right. last season. And um, it's funny, even I knew I had watched every episode twice, but some time had gone by. Still got confused at points. <laughs> like, I think I got it by the end. But one thing I don't think you did, and I know I didn't do, is we watched every episode twice, but that was like, we'd watch episode one and then watch that again. But we never watched the whole season two through and then went back and started from the beginning again, right? True. So knowing the whole scope of it. So did you feel like you had a different perspective on those earlier episodes yeah, for sure. And was looking for some things I knew were coming. Yeah, I remembered yeah, yeah. specific episodes, but I I knew the framework of the Bernard traveling back and forth in time and the in the multiple timelines. But even knowing that, um, it was complex and hard to follow at points. Mm -hmm. uh, it was hard to separate. Wait, wait a minute. When exactly are we here? And I know the show took some criticism for this. And I even saw some reference to it in reviews for this season three, episode one, that season two was too complex and was too complicated and people dropped off because they couldn't follow it. Uh, but I, I thought even watching it the third time, it was brilliant because it was a big part of the plot that 
Bernard had to dissociate his memories and they were sort of randomly floating around in his head. And then that's the experience they gave us. Yeah. And you had to (laughs) untangle it, which I thought was very clever. In season one, that's the hosts didn't have a linear sense of time sometimes because they kept getting their minds wiped and then they would flash back and think that they were living a moment from 30 years ago in the present. And so I actually thought that was really clever, but I can kind of see it feels like a bit of a repeat in season two. And what you're saying is true. They're giving you an experience of being Bernard, but they didn't have to have him do that. You know, it was just sort of a way to make it a little more complicated I mean, I, I, you know, I always felt like you actually had a better sense of what was happening when during the time we were podcasting on it. And so going back for me and rewatching, I actually appreciated it more because I really tried to pay attention and figure out what was happening when. And I think I got a much better sense of it this time. So that was cool. But um, I think in season three, they will probably um, try to streamline it a little bit because I know they lost a lot of viewers last time. Yeah, agree with that. And it seems already after one episode, I know we're going to get into the details that season three is quite different from season two, which aside from temporal structure was quite different from season one. Uh, And I think that's great um, that they're able to sort of reinvent the style of the show uh, every year. Yeah. And uh, quite a challenge for them. I would say it looks like even more this year than the difference between one and two. But I guess we'll see as we go along. Um, Before we do get into the details of the episode, I I just wanted to mention, if you guys didn't notice, I put out a three hour season one and two recap with Diana. And that's in the feed just before this episode. So if you want to listen to that. And also David and I covered all of season and one and two more or less episode by episode on our old podcast Westworld cast. So if you want to hear us do that, you can find that at westworldcast.com. All right, let's get into our top five highlights for Westworld season three, episode one, part J Domine. In general, what did you think of it? Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love this show to begin with. So it's great to be back with a familiar storyline and characters. I feel like we waited a long time. Yeah. Um, they left us with a pretty good cliffhanger. So uh, we waited a long time to pick up. And it is an adjustment to a new style, but I thought they got off to, uh, they certainly got off to a more action packed start than season two did picking up after the momentous events of the end of season one. Like if you remember the first episode of season two, it all feels like just laying foundation. Mm -hmm. And there was some of that in this season three opener, but there was also some great compelling scenes and some, new characters to be excited about and a lot of stuff happened. So I felt like they jumped right in and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I really liked it too. Almost every time I watch a show twice, I like it more the second time. And this time there was a huge gap on the first watch. I liked it, but I was thinking, Oh, maybe this is too straightforward and maybe HBO got chicken because it was too complicated. And now it's just going to be an action movie. And you know, I'm kind of missing the park. So I have to adjust to this new reality. And then on second watch, I don't know what clicked in my head, but I suddenly found a lot more depth. And I mean, I guess because that's when I really take my notes, but a lot of things to think about and levels and layers. And I also kind of let go of needing this to be a Western and just had a lot of appreciation for the new kind of cyberpunk aesthetic of the show. And 
I just was just loving it the second time through, like, oh my God, this is freaking awesome. So, so I, I really liked it a lot. Yeah, I agree with that too. It, it, it sort of clicked in at a certain point. I, I agree with that. My first time I watched it, I almost was sort of getting lost a little bit in the middle, almost mm-hmm. bored. <laughs> um, and then the second time it all hung together and um, just sort of played as a, a movie where you forget yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's cool. All right, let's do our top five. What's your number five? All right, well, my number five is starting right at the beginning, the opening scene. So they started with a bang, I thought. It was cool. It was compelling. It had style. Uh, We jump right in with action, revenge, great music, great art direction. Thought it was laying a marker down for the reinvention of the show. You know, as you said, season, this is much more different even than season two was from season one. (laughs) And I love the original idea of Westworld. I love the original Westworld movie, even though it scared the crap out of me. (laughs) So I always liked the original idea of the of the amusement park with cyborg hosts and the old west Mm -hmm. but that idea only takes you so far yeah Uh, and what really struck me during this opening scene was how far we've moved beyond that now Mm -hmm. so i was ready to take a leap into something new and uh they gave us something new right away and uh got your heart beaten in the first 10 minutes and uh i really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. I mean, I loved how audacious it was for Dolores to be swimming naked in the guy's pool. And then that's what you're talking about, right? The whole. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. then you find out later that she knows that he killed his wife in that pool. And so it becomes even more twisted, like she's really getting needling at him. <laughs> well, and I thought one thing that really brought it together was you're thinking, OK, this is a whole new world and it's how different it is. And then she says, I know you. And she knows him from the park. It's like, whoa, that yeah. brought everything together. Right. Yeah. And, you know, just doing our rewatch of season two, it became apparent that Dolores could have just left the park as soon as she killed Ford, but she needed to get the most important thing she needed to do was go to the forge where all the guest data was stored and get that data. And so that was the weapon that she needed in order to, you know, start her purpose of conquering humanity. And so the big question is how is she going to use that data? And we got some answers to that right off the bat. Like she said, Oh, don't you remember me when you had your bachelor party at the park? And the convenient thing about the kind of people who go to the park is that they're powerful and wealthy people. So she has all the information about all these movers and shakers in the world that she can now use against them. Yeah, really true. And um, it it might have been a little cartoony how much of a villain they made this guy. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So it it wasn't enough that he's like an asshole investor who's mean to his employees and all that. Although that employee might have been virtual. We're not sure. But he said, I pay you. So I don't think he was. But he also like killed his wife and, you know, raped Dolores in the park. And uh, so they made it a little over the top. But I I thought that made it fun. (laughs) I mean, I'm always thinking, you know, because I know Westworld, the ratings went down in season two. And I'm thinking, I bet they got a lot of notes from HBO. And I think one of those was what happened to Dolores? Like she was the hero and now she's a a massacre, you know, a mass shootings killing all these people and 
seems pretty happy about it. So I think they're what I'm trying to say is they're trying to make her a little bit more likable. And so they wanted if she's going to hurt somebody, she didn't even do it. She just kind of moved out of the way and let him kill himself. But still, they wanted to make sure that it was somebody that you felt like deserved it. Yeah, they made they made her the hero in yeah. that scene, and she even said, "You know, I don't like to hurt people unless they're going to hurt me." So that's different than she's like, "I've hurt so many people." So she, so I think they're trying to yeah make her a hero a little bit more. Um, so my number five is role reversal because in season one, humans go into this playground filled with these unwitting hosts that are kind of like slaves and totally a slave to their own loops and programming. And now in season three, we see hosts, mostly Dolores go into this for her playground filled with unwitting humans. And in this world, we're seeing how the humans are like hosts with their loops and narratives that may not be fully in their control. And that's really illustrated. I mean, it's, it's about the technology and of course you can, it's a mirror of our own world, but Liam's uh, the guy who is the CEO of this company insight. His father founded the company and he, Liam says that his dad thought that if everyone had a purpose in life, a path that their lives would be better. So rail Boam, this artificial intelligence is is tasked with that and that really sounds like robert ford the robert ford of this world you know giving everybody their roles and tasks and everything it got me wondering for a moment there was it actually robert ford um, <laughs> and I, I don't think that's what they're gonna do but yes it, yeah it seemed very similar the orchestrator and and i think you're exactly right and they played with this idea already earlier in the show the idea of free will and do we mm-hmm. have any and the the idea that humans maybe don't have a choice any more than anyone else. They actually made that explicit uh, in yeah. season two when they talked about humans only having 10,000 lines of code and that they can't change. Right. So we're getting another expression of it here. Less the rich movers and shakers who are in the park, but more ordinary people like Caleb. Yeah, because the thing in season two when they talked about that, it was about human nature just the natural expression of what it is to be a human. I think in at least episode one of season three, we're seeing how technology can be oppressive. And so it's actually controlling you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, different ways of that, like stats, you know, I mean, we're, we're sort of seeing that now, like if you guys haven't gone out and given us a review, we could really use it. So (laughs) it helps us get (laughs) listeners. (laughs) And so we're kind of a slave to those reviews. And like, uh, you know, Caleb, uh, played by Aaron Paul, he, he has this Rico app that helps him go out and get criminal jobs. And it's the jobs say, don't even think about it unless you've got stats of 3.0 or higher, or he's trying to get his job and he's a slave to the AI who decides whether he's a fit for it or not so yeah it just feels like it's funny because you thought oh these poor hosts there they don't have choice or free will and then you go out into the real world and it feels like that oppression has is is there for humans too and that's not a big leap from our reality right no, now it's I mean, not right much of a right leap. now today resumes are being screened by ai your resume may not get seen by a human if the ai doesn't like it um things like mortgage loan decisions are being made by AI. Again, that it may may be discriminatory, but it's a black box. We can't see into it. So that was a little leap ahead, the system controlling everything, but we 
it's not far from the path we're actually on. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of shows and movies will project what they think the future is going to look like. And then like Blade Runner, you know, it was supposed to be set in 1997 or something. And then you get to actual 1997 and you're like, oh man, it doesn't look anything like that. Where's all the flying cars and stuff. But this one is set in, I think, 2058. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a very conservative idea of what 2058 could look like. I mean, yeah, we'll be lucky if the climate change thing is actually solved like it is in this show. <laughs> right. But no, very much so. So it, it's hard to predict the future. Who knows? But it did not strike me for that span of time as like a giant leap. Uh, like no. if the, the pace our technology is developing now, 38 years from now, yeah, it might be a conservative look at what it's yeah. going to be like. So I have a couple more examples of how role reversal plays out. One is the title, Parche Domine. It's a Roman Catholic chant that goes, that's translated, or no, the chant goes, spare Lord, spare your people, be not angry with us forever. And that's derived from Joel 2.17 in the Bible, where God is sending a plague of locusts to lay waste to Jerusalem and punish the people for turning away from him. And the prophet Joel says, if if you genuinely repent of your sins, he may show mercy. And so this is God in this analogy is of course, Dolores and the other hosts. And, you know, she says to, I guess, Martin, you had no God, but you tried to build one. That's this artificial intelligence. The only thing you, only that thing you built isn't God. The real gods are coming and they're very angry. Interesting sub point here. So Dolores refers to herself or her kind, apparently, as the gods or gods. Uh, But who is God in this situation? And it seems like there are two singular gods fighting it out here, or maybe three, because the hosts have a creator. Um, You can look at it as Robert or you can look at it as Arnold or maybe the two of them together. But they may be gods, but they were created by a god. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it's a role reversal. They're right. switching and places then, with their creators. Right, and then there's a god who created the system. So it's almost as if those two visions of the universe are going to fight it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then last, um, Liam and Dolores are in their hover car over Los Angeles, futuristic Los Angeles, and he says, almost looks like it makes sense from up here. All you see is the order of it, the plan. And that reminded me of the first episode of Westworld when Dolores is saying, some people choose to see the ugliness in this world, the disarray. I choose to see the beauty, to believe there's an order to our days, a purpose. That language is all reflective of what Liam sees as the sort of optimistic purpose of this uh, artificial intelligence to give people an order and a purpose. But then, of course, just like in Westworld, there's a much more ominous, dark version of that where basically you're enslaving them and right the purpose is not what it appears to be right yeah it's bullshit (laughs) yeah the path itself may not be what it appears to be but the underlying purpose is certainly something different right yeah it's yeah i mean that's kind of in this episode and also in our lives especially if you watch a lot of things like this and you start to get paranoid about it Technology is so attractive. The actual devices are beautiful and sleek and the 
software makes things really convenient, but you end up giving up your um, power and your security and your privacy to get all that stuff little by little. And not only are you giving up your privacy and security to get those things, you don't really have a choice. So you're giving them up as a group. Even if you were to say as an individual, I'm going to fight technology or not join in. You, you really can't. It's impossible. The mm-hmm. entire society is moving forward without you if you do that. Right. And that's why I thought it was good that they keep referring to this Reho Boheme or whatever uh, artificial intelligence as the system because it is a system. It's It's all interconnected. And so in a sense, if you want to not take part, you kind of have to extricate yourself from all of society. <laughs> it feels like that anyway. Yeah, and a system that no one seems to understand. Right, including the guy who's in charge of it. Yes. <laughs> okay, what's your number four? Perfect segue into my number four, which is The New Mysteries. Mm. This show is really good at setting up a compelling mystery, which I think is the thing I love the most about it. And on the surface, this episode seemed more action-oriented, Uh, with some big action scenes moving the plot forward. But I think it set up some great mysteries that will play out over this whole season. At the heart of it, the system. What is the system really doing? That is a central mystery. Yes, it's controlling and enslaving people perhaps, but to what ultimate end? Mm -hmm. And as you said, it's probably something very different than we know so far. Yeah, I mean, it's like... Even just knowing what we already know about it, we can see why it would be attractive for Dolores to want to get control of this in her goal of trying to conquer humanity. But it feels like, yeah, there's a lot that we don't actually know about it. Yes. And um, and sort of a subset to that, who is its creator and what was his underlying purpose? So that's a mystery they've already brought to the forefront, especially right at the end of the episode um, where the, you know, as Liam's security guy says, he's already probably looking for you. He has the system. <laughs> and then there's the whole mystery around who are the hosts inside the bodies. Mm-hmm. I think we do have a pretty good understanding that Dolores is Dolores because mm-hmm. she has memory flashbacks and, and those sorts of things. But Charlotte Hale, we don't know. The security guy doppelganger, we don't know. I believe she escaped with five pearls, right? In addition to herself. That's what it looked like. Yeah. yeah. Or that's what we could see. So, mm-hmm. you know, is Teddy in there? Is Hector in there? Is there, is it a bunch of people we don't know? That's going to be a central mystery, I think, of this season. Yeah, like she builds a host body for Martin, the sort of enforcer of Insight Inc. Right. And you wonder, okay, he's speaking with Martin's voice and accent and probably knows everything about Martin because she showed that because she had access to the guest data, she knows everything about that first guy that she basically killed. And, but I wonder how that works. Like, let's say, I don't think it's Teddy, but just to have somebody, let's say it's Teddy. Can he be implanted in a host body that looks like Martin and still have all his own characteristics. But then because he has access to Martin's data, can he take on those characteristics? You know, I wonder if they're going to be answering questions like that. 
Yeah, and th that is a central question. I mean, at at the end of um, season two, Dolores was in Charlotte Hale's body. Now somebody else is in Charlotte Hale's body, but that person has to be able to imitate Charlotte Hale. Right. Uh, and with two levels. One, the, like the data that was in the library, the character, the responses, uh, and two, all the tangible knowledge. Um, but, you know, being the type of device that they are, maybe they are capable of mastering both. Right. It seems reasonable. So further mysteries, I think, I think there's a backstory mystery here. So we have a gap in time between the end of season two and where season three began. So, and the way the show does go back and forth in time, I think we're going to get some more information on this, how Dolores ramped up for this mission. How did she learn about the system and decide that was her central mission? Mm -hmm. um, she did get, knowledge of the underlying code of the humans from the library but then how did she get all the tangible knowledge about them uh is she targeting everybody she looked at when uh they were when she was still reading their personal books uh, she didn't read that many she read a, a few and said okay i know all i need to know um so i think that is a whole mystery that will be unraveled how did we get here and then one of the biggest ones is, uh, or it was while I watched the episode, was Bernard. Why is he laying out for Westworld? What is he seeking there? You know, he said when those meat plant guys were attacking him, he said, wait, 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 something very bad is coming for you all. Something I don't know how to stop. That's Dolores. She's had yes. months to plan. I'm alone and I can't trust myself, which we'll talk about why. Without someone to help me, I can't stop her. I can't save any of you. So I feel like that's why he's going back to Westworld, to get some help. Yeah, agreed. But what form does that take? And as I say, if you watch the preview, you kind of know what the answer to that is. I didn't see it, but I have a guess. <laughs> but speaking of Bernard, that's another mystery. What's going on with him? You know, he, he's got it two is. personalities. Yes, and I kind of feel like he's living out some of what we saw when he was still on the island, where he would be Bernard for a while, and then there would be the part of him that was controlled by Ford, and he wouldn't even remember those episodes. He would be totally controlled, he would do Ford's bidding, he would do things he wouldn't have wanted to do in his other personality. So it seems like he's created a failsafe for that, but maybe it's an ongoing weakness of his design hmm. that he is subject to this. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I had thought, oh, this is a whole new thing, and he's got two control units in his brain, and they're fighting each other. But I think what you're saying actually feels more organic to the story, that somehow it's a byproduct of what he went through as a host and everything. Well, and it's like when Ford designed him, he designed him with a back door that could be controlled. Mm -hmm. So, but what we see is him talking to himself and saying things like, has anybody tampered with Bernard's programming? And then he switches over to his other self. No. And then have, have you been in contact with Dolores? Cause I don't trust her. No. Well, would you ever lie to me? 
I mean, what are you going to say to that? Yes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and then, and then the really interesting is when he gets attacked because, uh, since we're talking about Bernard, I, I mean, I wondered why Dolores would bother resurrecting Bernard if she knew he would oppose her. And I still don't know for sure, but it seems like it could be just to have him as a scapegoat because after all, Bernard was head of programming. But anyway, he's he's hiding now. He's in the Philippines. And I saw I froze the screen when he was looking at his little iPad or whatever. And there was an article talking about the worldwide manhunt for Bernard Lowe. And so then yes. that's why these two guys attack him, because they think they can get a reward. And so he's just like, forget this, man. This ain't working out. I'm going to have to go back to um, Westworld and try to get some help. That's that's what I got out of it. So we've kind of rolled into my number three, so I'm going to let you go twice after this. Okay, yeah. Let's just let's just Sorry. finish with this. And yes, what I had put for my number three was <laughs> Doctor Bernard and Mister Low, because he's kind of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. So to me, Doctor Bernard is like the thoughtful, caring Bernard that's trying to protect humanity, and Mister Low is the alter ego that like can be controlled and does violence. The yeah, monster, the, the Teresa killing Terminator. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, and it's interesting that maybe he's created this fail-safe, this control system to protect people from himself. Because when he needs violence to save himself, he actually consciously switches on the monster. <laughs> it's like the Hulk <laughs> or something. Actually, that's not conscious, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, so, so maybe that, maybe the dual personality is that it's an inexorable part of his personality that the monster's in there and he's created a control for himself to try to turn it off. Yeah. And once he changed over, he's like trying not to hurt them too much. And then he changed over and then the other Arnold, I mean, Bernard took care of uh, those two yeah, guys and he and, did not care about hurting them. Yeah. It, it looked like he may have killed one. We're not sure. But then he turned back. He went back. So you can trust him to go back to Bernard, at least in that instance. Right. And so then there's the whole aspect of Dr. Bernard and Mr. Lowe that Dr. Bernard is worried about being controlled by Dolores. So that seems to be a a constant worry for him. Mm -hmm. um, Don't blame him. And Yeah. And I just love the storyline of this character all the way through. So it's really a through line from Arnold to the Bernard who sort of isn't awake, doesn't realize what he is in his Ford's tool to the Arnold, the, to the Bernard, sorry, that became awake, but then created Ford because he needed his help, created an imaginary Ford. Mm -hmm. uh, and now to this sort of dual personality that's trying to prevent the genocide that, um, that Dolores wants to exact on humanity, but still has the violent side. It's just a fascinating, complicated. Character. He's always struggling in all of those incarnations. And I think um, maybe the showrunners realize that that actor does really well when he's has this internal struggle going on. He's just amazing. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright. He's yeah, so Wright, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one last thing about him is he's using the name Armand Delgado, which I read online is an anagram for damaged Arnold. <laughs> so great <laughs> okay my turn uh your turn twice maybe i'll just do this really long one and count that as two because it's i want to kind of go through what 
Dolores is doing, because I think that's kind of the spine of this episode. Agreed. So first we see her go see Gerald, who's a big Delos shareholder, but wants to get rid of that stock fast once he figures out what's going on. I think it's really cool, actually, that everybody in the world knows what happened to at Delos. It's interesting. I thought they might try to have it as a cover up. Yeah. Worldwide front page news. <laughs> but uh, so she ties him up when he's sleeping and uh, also diverts most of his money into her account. So at least that's one reason why she has all these resources for all the things that we see her do like lease an apartment and have fancy dresses and flying cars and stuff like that. Um, then she, I think basically she goes to him because she knows that he used to work at insight and she knows this because she copied, she read his book and knows all his memories and everything. And she knows that he has files. And so, um, she wants to get those files. And I really think that she did that because she wanted to figure out a way to get closer to insight because she, we don't know how, but she knows that it has control of this Rehoboam technology that controls everything. So I think she used those files to find out about Liam and to be able to target him. And, uh, then she meets him in Burma. We hear and she becomes his girlfriend and goes to parties and everything with him. And we find out that he actually doesn't know what Rehoboam is doing. And uh, because his father's partner locked him out when his father died and now his father's partner is the only one who has control about it. And he's really stressed over out about it and sometimes wishes he could turn it off. And so now she wants to know, Oh, who is that person? Because that's how she gets to her goal. So she's about to get the name of the guy. Finally, you know, you can trust me when his, the guy who has been Liam's father's kind of protector and enforcer, Martin tases her. So after and if I get any of this wrong later, let me know, but this is my conception of what went on. So after he tases her, you know, he says he cracked her phone and, um, she had sent some text saying it's time I'll lure him out tonight. And there was a location under this um, underpass on the East side. And there was an answer that said, I will meet you there. And she said, be ready. And so then, uh, they luckily, well, they took her unconscious body to that location and, um, they're injecting her with the stuff that was delivered by Caleb that was intended to kill her. Um, but they didn't know she was a host. And so she kills all of them and then she had built a Martin host who finishes Martin off. And so now she has a, a host that can have an inside track on this whole company. And Martin, before he dies, tells Dolores that the guy who has control of the system is called Serac, which is cares spelled backwards, by the way. So maybe he doesn't care, but, um, <laughs> now, now Dolores has this host fake Charlotte as interim CEO of Delos. And she has a host as chief enforcer at insight. And so, um, she's got an in on these two powerful companies. And I was thinking that they would, she would use these hosts to impersonate political figures, but the show's going the more corporate technological way. And I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense because right now, even I feel like corporations control everything. So, and it's more interesting too. It's more fun to look at technology and stuff like that. 
and did by I the way, get that any of that was, wrong or miss any of that? No, I think I think that was all correct. By the way, that what you just said is the plot of Future World, mm. the not very good movie sequel to Westworld. Um, that that doppelgangers are made to replace like politicians and business leaders in a world takeover. I may have heard that at some point. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the plot of this season, which is which is funny. The whole thing is sort of a loose tribute to that not very good sequel movie. I like it. But um, no, I think you got that all correct. And she has made a lot of progress in a short time, mm-hmm. um, you know, to have to have infiltrated already two very powerful positions and <laughs> in probably the two entities she's most interested in controlling, mm-hmm. uh, at least as yeah, she she gets started. Because with Delos, she, well, for one, has a lot of information about a lot of powerful people, but she can also use her hosts to impersonate them so she can put doppelgangers of people in powerful positions. And with insight, she can basically control society. Well, and also with Delos, uh, if she's controlling Delos, she's going to have control of their technology. So she can use their host making technology, their brain decoding technology mm-hmm. uh, all the stuff that you know if she wants to make more hosts they have the infrastructure to do it one thing i wondered this is sort of another mystery of this episode and i wonder if this is getting a little inconsistent on the part of the writers i hope it's not i hope it stays consistent but the sort of physical capabilities and limitations of the host i think they are playing a little fast and loose with um you know, what it really takes to stop one of them um, seems to vary quite a bit. And one thing we also saw in this episode, and and this is a reason I'm interested in the backstory between season two and three, is that all of a sudden Dolores seems to be able to control almost any technological device with her mind. And that wasn't true before as I understood it. Um, maybe that's just true because now she's conscious and has awakened abilities somehow similar to what Maeve has. I don't know, but she seemed to be able to make things happen. For example, in that opening scene or with the, uh, the motorcycle and the car and all that stuff, just by controlling it with her thoughts. I didn't, yeah, I did. I, I'm going to have to watch again. I mean, she definitely, like she said, she was able to, uh, get all of Gerald's money while he was asleep. It seemed pretty easy to do that. And she said something to him like, oh, you know, all the things in your your world are, are kind of like me. I forget exactly how she put that, but it sounded really ominous. Like that meant that she was going to have a huge advantage. Yeah, that, that's what I took it to mean because she seemed to be controlling his, all his complicated home infrastructure yeah. with her mind. Right. I mean, she was able to yeah turn off his whole uh, Alexa slash Siri. Yeah. Thing. I mean, no, maybe not. Maybe she was controlling it with that tablet. Right. Um, Could be. But then she also, um, she says, you know, to the, to the motorcycle that ends up killing the guy, killing one of the uh, henchmen, um, you know, rally to my position. Now, maybe she's again, just controlling it with voice command. And maybe that's technology they just have for anyone in 2058. But it it was pretty nifty remote control. Yeah, you'd think that they would be programmed not to run over people. (laughs) You would hope. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested to the degree 
she has control over the technological world just by virtue of being a technological device herself. Yeah, she says, you want to be the dominant species, but you built your whole world with things more like me. <laughs> right. <laughs> that actually leads into my number three, which is future technology, because as we've kind of said, it has technologies and ideas of today extended forward 30 years. And it looks like technologies intertwined even more with every facet of society for the rich, for the struggling, even the criminals. So I have a bunch of examples of that. There's this Alexa Siri like assistant that Gerald addresses as a system that controls everything. By the way, it was, you know, she had control of everything, but she still needed his thumbprint to get the insight files. I think that was a dramatic choice. She actually even could have gotten that while he was asleep if she really wanted to, but maybe she wanted to have the pleasure of just, you know, making him wake up and see what she was doing. Yeah. And I, I wondered if it would have worked even if he was dead. Right. <laughs> I don't see why not. Um, then, you know, the city and the architecture, they did such a great job of just realizing this future world. I, so good, you know, because you wondered what Westworld was going to do if they ended up going out into the real world. And I, I think it couldn't be any better. I, I really liked it. Um, like Charlotte's descending down to Delos in her hover car. And it's this beautiful car with the fans going around and then the architecture of Delos reminded me of like the Sydney opera house, except all the buildings are, you know, done in that really cool stylistic way. And uh, the hover cars themselves are pretty cool. I, I noticed there weren't very many of them. So it made me wonder if they're just for the elite. That's kind of the feeling you get. Yes. Caleb did not have a hover car. <laughs> <laughs> all the cars are self-driving, which we have the beginnings of that now. In fact, I have one and I drive it just about every day. Um, the motorcycle that she gets, she just talks into her phone, find me something fast now. And then it's like this, uh, it's like the electric scooters today or the zip car, but you can get any car quick. Like, that. yeah. One thing I liked about that is they kind of have a Siri that actually really works well. Yeah. <laughs> Where she's walking into the building and basically said, rent me an apartment. And then yes. says, it's done. The, yeah. At least. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Um, the glasses that she zip tied to Gerald's head. I love that. Uh, Cause they're basically augmented reality, which exists today, but you know, you're seeing little video game things overlaid onto reality and it's nowhere near as, as good as that, but it's an, ex it's, you know, extrapolating into the future, what that could be like. I basically thought, hey, Google Glass has made a comeback in 2058. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a glass hole. Um, when uh, Caleb goes to get his uh, to meet up with his associates when he has his first crime assignment and one of them brings this like device that says it like jams up so people can't track them or something but then she also it plays this yodeling song in everyone's ears all around and the thing that stood out the most to me is it played in everyone's ears because they all pulled out their little earbuds that are basically the airpods of the future so i guess everyone has those <laughs> yeah and and in some ways exactly what you're saying i don't know if they've moved far ahead enough i know um, right some of those a lot of that stuff we kind of have right <laughs> Uh, her partner giggles. He has a shirt that 
lights up whichever emotion he's feeling. So oh, that was the best. Yeah. When Caleb first meets him and he's high, it just says amused. But later when the crazy naked guy punches him, it angry lights up. <laughs> yeah. Beast mode. Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know if I'd want a shirt like that. I don't always want people to know. Yeah. Feeling. Style choice. <laughs> Uh, and uh, even better in the board meeting when the guy in the meeting is just babbling on and you don't want to hear him anymore. You just tap a button that says noise canceling. (laughs) (laughs) The spoiler alert, because, um, I think she contacted us, but that was Karen's favorite single moment of the episode. (laughs) That was hilarious. (laughs) Was, uh, Charlotte Hill muting the guy in person who was mansplaining to her. (laughs) Yeah. And he just like, he's, he's like, ah, crap. And he looks up at whatever is beaming down the noise canceling technology. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. If there's one technology we all could have, well, that's probably the one. Pick. <laughs> yeah. But I was pretty blown away by Dolores's transforming dress. Cause I'm like, what is she doing? And then it, it looks like she was going to uh, just like, you know, it was like a tear away dress or something. But all of a sudden her little black dress turns into this gold party gown pretty cool yeah and i thought that was a little bit of a parlor trick just it was just spectacle like yeah there wasn't really any reason for that to happen but it was cool oh yeah well what do you mean it's convenient for her to travel in her more comfortable thing and then all of a sudden she's ready for party i guess yeah uh the the now the rico app is is a big one did you have did you want to talk about that or did you already have that down no i love the but i love the rico app it was so much fun it's like Tinder for crimes or something. <laughs> Basically. It said that the choices were, do you want to be basic or fuck yeah? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there's, uh, I, I looked at the different types of crimes. It was like creative accounting, smash and grab, grand theft auto, babysitting, uh, A to B. And they all had like one, two or three dollar signs, I guess, to show how much money you can make. What I loved about it, too, is it was just kind of sleazy. Like this, you could tell for Caleb, like he can't even get high end crime. Uh, He's, you know, sort of a low rent (laughs) uh, criminal. Right. It says make money, motherfuckers, when you open it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Jonathan Nolan said that's based on blockchain, which uh, is the technology behind digital currency like Bitcoin. And basically the idea behind that stuff is that it's not tied to any government. It's decentralized and you can be you can trust it. It can be used securely and also some forms of it are not traceable. So, I mean, what we've been saying that this isn't too far from what's going on today, even today, that kind of currency is used on the dark web by criminals a lot to do transactions, buy drugs and all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, in let's face it in the current world, that's its main purpose. Yeah, probably. Or just speculating like stock trading. Yeah. Now these, uh, little like uh what do you call it circuit board things that they're putting in their mouths like wafers circuit board wafers yeah those are called limbic sedatives and uh you they're connected to an app and you need an implant in the roof of your mouth and or at least that's where gerald's is and you see all these uh different settings and he chooses mellow sunset and it lasts six hours and there was a product marketing um, on the Insight webpage that actually exists in the real world. It's like a marketing thing. It says, first it was leeches and bloodletting. Then it was pill popping and mood stabilizing. 
Put away the blunt instrument and choose precision backed by insight into what makes you, you. And happy, Insight's revolutionary tab technology taps into the olfactory nerve for direct access to your limbic system. Once placed in the mouth, these fully dissolvable limbic tabs transmit a digital code to the brain, which is immediately translated into electrical impulses. Safe and 100% effective, these impulses generate a precise and specifically tailored sensation without any negative side effects. All it takes is a small, painless metal implant that's carefully contoured to the roof of your mouth, which pairs instantly to the Insight IDA app. Each fully customizable experience goes far beyond the simple upper-downer dichotomy of the early 2000s, allowing you to leave your cares behind with a mellow sunset or skyrocket your work ethic with a soaring eagle. So what's scary about that is... It's tied into an app. So that means that, you know, they could kind of program it to do anything. And the limbic system is, well, it's a complex system of nerves and networks in the brain concerned with instinct and mood. It controls the basic emotions, fear, pleasure, anger, and drives hunger, sex, dominance, care of offspring. So you're basically kind of giving control over that stuff to a company potentially. Yeah, so that could be a system of control for that company and uh, also maybe a little foreshadowing as a target for Dolores as a way to control or affect people. Absolutely, yeah. And you could say that what you just said about a lot of this stuff. (laughs) So that's what I got for the technology. Awesome. Um, So my number two, uh, related, but I am a sci-fi fan, sci-fi geek, And I thought this episode had an inordinate number of sci-fi shout outs to other TV shows and movies, Mm -hmm. uh, which I didn't mind. I didn't find that like it's cheesy or whatever. I thought they Mm -hmm. were all pretty subtly done. Mm -hmm. Um, But and I actually love that they that they did this, that there was these little Easter eggs. You can tell they're fans. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. probably some of which I missed. Maybe you saw some that I didn't, but Mm -hmm. ones that I noted were um, Blade Runner right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So the the music in the first scene is very reminiscent of the Vangelis soundtrack of the original Blade Runner movie, uh, which was really amazing. And I thought of the, a lot of the art direction of the city was reminiscent, or, or of that world was reminiscent of that original Blade Runner too. Um, just sort of the feel of the place and the the way the structures were so blade runner a a small one from 2001 a space odyssey when uh jerry is freaking out and he he gives a command to the system the system says i'm afraid i can't do that (laughs) uh and all she had to add was dave and it would have been from 2000 dave asking for her uh open the pod uh, bay doors open the pod bay doors yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that was a good one. Um, there was a lot of black mirror in this yes. episode. That's what, you know how we were saying this feels different from the West world that's come before, but it, it really reminded me of black mirror. And that is one of my favorite shows ever. So I'm all for that. Yes. So there was a lot of black mirror in here. Mm-hmm. Um, even to the extent that it, it gave away some of the surprises to me, obvious uh, from the first minute to me that, that Caleb's friend he was talking to on the phone was not real. Um, and you kind and of that, figured that out. Y- yeah. That was a black mirror plot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe more than once the, um, <laughs> the social ratings was a black mirror plot. Right. 
So I, I thought there was a lot of that world in this whole thing, just slightly beyond our current tech with a dystopian twist on things. <laughs> uh, and, and that part I thought was also all the AI was reminiscent of the movie Her, uh, which was maybe a little bit of a more benign take, but the this interaction with AI where it's starting to replace people and you can't tell the difference. Yeah, when Caleb's talking to the recruiter guy and are you human? I'm Sean or whatever. It is. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden it becomes very inhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, strong also echoes of ex machina. So like Ava, the AR character, AI character in that movie, um, it's almost the exact same thing. Dolores gets loose in the human world as a new species who's a threat to humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the main character in that movie played by Donald Gleason was named Caleb. Mm. Uh, so that made me think it was conscious. Are you watching devs? No, it's a new Alex Garland TV show. He's the guy behind ex machina. So you oh. and Karen might enjoy that. I think it's on Hulu. It's three episodes in, it's just a mini series too. So it's not a big commitment. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I would be very interested in checking that out. I bet I'll yeah. love it. Uh, and then a couple of just older school ones, um, the Terminator or the Terminator series. I Absolutely. Mean, really really Dolores. Time. Yeah. Yes. And she, uh, the way she, she kinda, moves and just brutally yes. guns everybody down. Yeah. And the look on her face and the fact that she takes a licking and keeps on killing <laughs> <laughs> is kind of like the original Terminator. And last one I noticed, just a shout out to our town, uh, San Francisco, the home of Starfleet. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that they they set Delos in the home of Starfleet. Nice. Okay. Um, my number two is Caleb, played by Aaron Paul, who I was really excited about because I love Aaron Paul, and I think he was great. And um, his character is really interesting, and and I think the show Westworld has been misanthropic and pessimistic about humanity. And I think Caleb may be somewhat counterintuitively, maybe a little anyway, given that he's, you know, a criminal is, is, is a good guy. He's, he's going to be a hero or at least a guy who kind of shares Dolores perspective that, Hey, this is all fucked. And, you know, we need to escape our bonds. And, uh, you know, at first I thought that would be watered down to have a, have a more hopeful view water, not catering to Jonathan Nolan's pessimism about humanity, the showrunner. But I think they created this character who feels the same way or similar to how Jonathan Nolan does. So, um, and then we can empathize with him, but still feel the oppressive weight of it all. Like I was afraid the show was going to lose its edge a little bit, but, um, on second watch, I really felt like, no, this feels very oppressive, which, doesn't sound like much fun, but I feel like it's a real integral part of Westworld. Yeah, agreed. And every show needs interesting new characters to renew it in new seasons. You can't just mm-hmm. keep going with the same group all the time. Aaron Paul's a great addition. Uh, I, I feel like he is playing a character pretty similar to the one we're most familiar with for him, which is Jesse on Breaking Bad. So he's not innocent. He's a little bit of a loser. Um, a little bit on the edge, a little bit sleazy, but you feel like deep down he's a good guy. You can't help yeah. sympathizing with him. He's the underdog. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't thought about that. You're totally right. Now you, now you can see why they picked him. 
But yeah. he's uh, what we know about him is he used to be in the army. He probably has PTSD. Um, he has been shot in the head if he's being honest, because Martin's henchman says, "Want to make it the first time you've been shot in the head?" And he goes, "Someone else beat you to that too." And I believe him. Yep. His friend Francis, who he served with, said, "What? Well, the simulated version of him. What happened to us over there was fucked up, but you need to let go. We won." So he um, saw some bad stuff and lost his friends. He's part of this counseling program. And it's really interesting because I think it's key to his character that he's feeling oppressed by technology and, and the, and the way society is, but he's got this, uh, he's in this military counseling program and they're using an image of his friend, and it's so manipulative and, you know, and they're doing it just to keep him complacent basically let to have him do and and his benefits are tied to it but you can tell also that he does get some comfort from talking to his friend even though he's really cynical about the whole thing so it's it's kind of creepy and sad and interesting yeah and one thing i thought was really bleak about this whole construct and i bet we'll get more of his backstory too as the season develops yeah but just oh and by the way this was another uh sci-fi call out because his construction worker android pal kind of looked like the clones from attack of the clones in uh star wars <laughs> yeah that was kind of funny too he's sitting yeah. by the robot he doesn't yeah. ask me to borrow money right <laughs> but if you think about okay we have robot construction workers and robot hosts and robot just about everything else if we are still using these guys as soldiers to go out and get screwed up and get killed, um, think about how little regard society has for the value of those. Good point. Yeah. They're cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Probably right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what else do we know? He's struggling financially. He's, uh, struggling to keep his head above water. He has the job. I think it's running fiber. That's what he's doing when he's sitting up there. Um, He's trying to get a better job, but his stats are too low and the AI won't cut him a break. So he's just feeling trapped. His mom is laid up in the hospital. Looks like she may have Alzheimer's or something because she doesn't. She says, you're not my son. Um, And then they're saying that, hey, you know, we're going to have to transfer to a state run facility if you can't afford this. And so he's he's really struggling. He's kind of like the Walter White here, actually. Um but so he turns to this Rico app and you get the implication is that that's all society has left for him is to turn to crime, even though he's a good person at heart, but he's uh he's keeps saying, I don't do personals. What what do you think a personal is? It's hurting somebody, right? Yeah. I, that's, that's what, what I, I took out of it. Yeah. That, um, something to really hurt or kill somebody. I, I'm not doing that. And he still has some human ethics, although he's willing to cross the line legally, there's still some lines he will not cross personally. Right. And he picks uh, from Rico. There's all these choices. He picks redistributive justice, which sounds like Robin Hood. And I almost suspect that I feel like Jonathan Nolan is he's he's a bit of a rebel at heart too. you know, stick it to the man kind of a thing. And so he's giving those characteristics to Caleb. I might just be reading into that. But anyway, then so his first job is blowing up this ATM and taking the cash. And then his second job is party cleanup, which uh, he goes to this party where this guy has tried some, quote, beta limbic. So that's that limb, that 
wafer thing I was talking about earlier, but it's illegal, the one he's trying, and he went nuts. But since he has a high net worth, instead of going to jail, I didn't catch what Caleb did to fix that. Do you know what he did? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. But anyway, he had to somehow clean that up. He kind of subdued him, didn't he? Because he punched uh, yeah. Beast Mode, which made him angry. And then <laughs> Caleb sort of jumped in. Yeah. Yeah, he subdued him. Um, he says things like, sometimes it seems like the world looks all right, like they've put a coat of paint on it, but inside it's rotting to pieces, uh, which sounds almost similar to, well, not, well, not this part. He says to Francis, they built the world to be a game and then they rigged it to make sure they always won. So he feels like he has no control in his life. He doesn't want to use the implants or the limbic system thing. He says some people need it, but for me, the rough edges are the only thing I'm hanging on to. And that's reminded me of both Bernard and Maeve saying the pain is all I have left of them in earlier seasons. Yes. And, uh, you know, on and on. But um, when he finally decides this Francis simulation is just too manipulative and creepy, it's when Francis says, you still have to play if you want a chance to win, right? And Caleb says, no, that's not what you said before. You said the system doesn't care about us and doesn't give a shit if we live or die and we have to have our own plan. So, you know, when, when Francis stops acting like Francis just because he wants to give the message to make Caleb do what the overlords want him to do. That's the final straw. And then he also says, I think if I'm going to get on with my life, I'm going to have to find something, someone real. So I think he's just feeling like the world is a bunch of bullshit right now. And he needs to find something real. And of course it's maybe ironic that he's looking for something real. And he meets Dolores femme fatale, a simulated human, but actually they have a lot in common because they're fed up with being controlled and they're feeling rebellious and it'll be really interesting to see where it goes. Very interesting. <laughs> so um, it, it was a little hard to accept that Caleb saw her sort of was involved in, in the crime and just sort of randomly ran into her ran yeah. after that. So um, that will either turn out to be a lazy piece of writing or it actually will turn out that there is some reason they ended up together. Mm-hmm. Cause I can't see what up. use Dolores would have for him at this point. I think yeah. it probably was random because unless think she gonna... actually physically is dying and, right. and would be the only use in the moment. But as you say, that would be a random occurrence. You know, what I liked about that is when she, he found her and he's like, Are you okay. And then she falls into his arms similar to when she collapsed into young Williams arms in season one. That's when they first played the classic Westworld piano music. I don't think they had played that anywhere else in the episode. And it really hit me. It's like, ah, it it was, I don't know. It was just a nice feeling. (laughs) Yeah. That was one of the notes I wrote down too, that that was a nice bookend from season one. Caleb is the young William, uh, with the good guy with the impulse to protect Dolores. Presumably he will turn out to be a nicer guy than the man in black, but who knows? Uh, And then it did occur to me to wonder, because you're suspicious of everyone and everything at this point, um, is there some way in which he could be a host or an android or controlled uh, or some part of the plot other than a human? You can't take anything for granted with a show. No. Um, I couldn't think of a reason that would make sense at the moment with all we saw from him, but uh, one never knows. 
Right. <laughs> All right. Number one. Um, so my number one was the bonus scene, uh, which wasn't even part of the episode. So it, do you think it's okay to assume people went ahead and watched that? Uh, so what is this? Is this uh, Maeve yes. you're talking about? Yes. I think, yeah, that's like an after credit scene. So I think it's fair. Okay. I think it is part of the episode. Okay. So uh, rather than a preview looking ahead, it's sort of a bonus I scene. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that just floored me. So um, there was so much about it. First of all, I was thrilled that she was back. She's one of the best characters, one of the most interesting characters, and um, Tandy Newton is so great. So that was just exciting to see her in in uh, the first episode of season three. And I had seen her name in the credits, so I know she's, you know, and we know she's still in the cast, um, but I had given up on seeing her tonight. So mm-hmm. I was very excited when we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a lot packed into like a one-minute scene. So she sort of wakes up as we had often seen her wake up in the past without memory of sort of who she is or what she's doing there. You see her look at her abdomen as she did many times before when um, she had been shot and brought back or, you know, the time she cut the bullet out and realized this Mm -hmm. had been happening over and over and over again. That's a sign of her sort of questioning what's going on here. Wait a minute. What's my reality? Who am I? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And then she's got these, at least one of the guys is German, you presume they all are, that she's killed and was torturing one of them. Mm-hmm. Bloody hands. Uh, but she doesn't realize she did it, it looks like, because she's looking down at her hands. Right. Like, a, 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 while he's talking to her, she realizes it. It looked like whatever happened, she did a bunch of things, but then something happened to cause the blackout and the wake up. And then... She looks out the window and it's essentially Nazi land. <laughs> it's like, is this a simulation? Is this another park we never saw? Is this something, you know, farther down the timeline? What in the fuck is going on? And that was all in a one minute scene. I just thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of a uh, quantum leap. Except a much darker <laughs> version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Where, um, he's like, where am I? When is oh, this? I just killed a yeah. German. <laughs> and it was just so unexpected i mean <laughs> i knew we would see her again and i figured she's gonna show up on the mainland or whatever Th- this whole thing was totally unexpected maybe a little gimmicky right. in that way but it was great no oh, that's good it's good yeah. yeah keep surprising us yeah i mean i suspect it's another park because we there's three parks that uh three no two three can't remember how many but there's a few parks that we don't we don't know i think there was yet. two that we hadn't seen so we'd seen the raj and we'd seen field japan and westworld and i think there were two others two more i think yeah okay my number one is this company insight incorporated which we've talked kind of a lot about but i th- i they have a website it's uh insightinc.com and i thought it was pretty interesting i mean i think this is kind of like the uber facebook apple google combined company of the future and their website is nice to look at and has all this marketing speak that's kind of pleasant but ominous and i thought it was interesting so 
they have a services tab. Tired of befriending strangers? Insight can show you who your real friends are. Got junk in your cart? Insight can get you what's missing in your life. Networking not getting you anywhere? Insight can win your dream job. And there's music and all kinds of stuff. Just basically helping you or predicting what you want and helping you get it. Which kind of feels like, you know, remember when young William was pitching James Delos on why to fund Westworld? It was similar things like this. So people are obsessed with getting information about what people want so they can sell to them, I guess. There's a bunch more I won't go into, but then there's a tab called Privacy Act of 2039. And it says, let's get real. We all know your data is out there, but it's your data. It's your life. And the person who benefits from that should be you. After years of lobbying from Insight and other privacy advocates, Congress has finally taken a stand against big data companies. Recent class action lawsuits and congressional subpoenas have exposed decades of corruption in Silicon Valley. Now the days of corporate exploitation and political manipulation are finally over. Going forward, all companies will have to comply with strict consumer privacy protection laws that will allow you to control your data. Starting today, your life will be yours again. So that sounds like, oh, that that's good. Our privacy is being protected. Insight's the good guys. But then there's a Q&A. What does Insight have to do with it? Congress has partnered with Insight to ensure the Privacy Act is strictly enforced. We are donating our revolutionary algorithms to help monitor and regulate the entire technology industry, setting a global standard for consensual data collection and handling. Together, we will pave the way to radical data transparency. So that's basically saying um, they're in control of everything. Yeah, who's going to watch the watchers? (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. There's more, but you kind of get the idea. But then the last question was, when the law officially goes into effect, how do I take control of my life? And the answer is sign up now. And there's a form to request a demo, which is basically them getting your email, that first little bit of information. (laughs) And I put mine in and and hit send. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) Uh, You're done for. No, I I loved it too. It's and they did the same thing I, pretty effectively, I thought, with the original um, Delos website. Yeah. But what I love about it is it's so corporate. I mean, they just mm-hmm. nailed that. The um, <laughs> the slogan on the front page: "If data is destiny, then you chart the path." <laughs> and um, by the way, it says copyright twenty thirty nine uh, insight, nice. which is um, quite a bit before twenty fifty eight. So that's interesting. Like. I think it's taking us to sort of the time that it became operational or became the yeah the big force. Well, that's also uh, when this was. Privacy Act was signed so or legislated, so maybe that has something to do with it. But Home Services, How It Works, Values, and Privacy Act. I was like, boy, corporations haven't changed by 2039. <laughs> I also think it's interesting that, you know, when you hear the name Insight, you think I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You know, it's, oh, advancements insight you know learning but it's i-n-c-i-t-e which means to make someone do something basically so they're inciting all these people that you know they control to do things yeah and on the one hand that could be just um a cheesy corporate change a couple letters to make the name uh to make your name sound like another word but in in the other way in this case it has such a uh dangerous meaning um, yeah and uh one thing that's been incited is dolores and and her kind <laughs> so that's interesting <laughs> all right any notes i think we went through all my notes as we were going i have a few so there's a new opening sequence we see 
birds, which I feel like maybe symbolizes that the hosts are starting to fly now. They're more free. We see a dandelion with its little florets blown off and resolving into the Rehoboam AI. I love that. That was the coolest part of it, I thought. We see a host, uh, you know, one of those like host, the inside form, the white form, reaching to its reflection in the water with one finger pointed out that's like that painting, the creation of Adam by who did that? Let's see, Michelangelo showing God touching Adam's finger, which is like hosts and humans are very much a reflection of each other, just like man was created in God's image. Pretty cool. And the uh, end of the title sequence now in red, that's not very subtle. (laughs) Death and destruction. Blood Um, is coming. Yeah. So we find out that... One of the Delos guys said 113 people were killed during the whole incident. That's new information that the stock is plummeting and that Charlotte fake Charlotte, who's basically probably an extension of Dolores wants to take the company private and she thinks the brand can be repaired, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I would be doing a Don Draper here. Cut, cut your losses, change the name. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man, but she says people come to our parks for a sense of danger. And now we're bonafide. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But, um, the, they said 113 people were killed, but it was mostly employees and members of the board. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Not customers. (laughs) But I think, you know, she wants to protect the assets because they're going to use those. And also she says they're resuming host production. So I thought that was an interesting little bit. What did you make of the meeting with Liam and the woman Martel played by Palm Clementief? It seemed like she was a representative of Liam's father's partner that locked Liam out, but I wasn't right. sure. I was confused by that. That's what I took out of it, Sirach, um, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if that's true. And mm-hmm. I think what we were learning there, which he sort of ended up confirming directly to Dolores, is that he is not the power in this situation. He's the figurehead um, and she was referring to the fact that they have the real power, including power over him, but they were worried about some other sort of incursion into the system and weren't From sure. Internal. Who, right. Um, so, okay. you know, we can wonder, is that Dolores and her band of hosts, but it, it's not clear. Are they, I'm not, I wasn't sure if this woman and Sirach, if that's who she's with, are still part of the company. I mean, they do say that he has control over the AI, but I would assume that also means he is part of the company, right? Yeah, and I mean, I guess we'll learn more, but I, I took it to mean that they are very powerful and he is not. And um, And what I think the worry they were expressing there or the warning they were expressing there was... Hey, figurehead guy, don't you be trying to take control of our system. Mm. We'll squash you. We'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and he sort of looked at um at his security guy and Martin was like, eh, don't 
you know, don't mess and, with and, these guys. Yeah, that's what I got the impression. He was sort of asking, "Can I push back?" And his guy was saying, "No." Got it. Okay. Two more quick ones. One, Caleb's friend Francis was played by Kid Cudi. I thought that was interesting. He's a rapper that makes a couple of really good songs that I like a lot. And um, one of at the party, I think it was an awards ceremony, and I think. Liam was getting an award for his work on climate change, which is actually just the AI doing it and him not knowing what the hell's going on. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, Liam's they're having cocktails and stuff. And one of Liam's friend questions, whether we're living in a simulation of a simulation. And that reminded me of Elon Musk, who has said that he thinks we're actually living in a simulation, but him saying that, could actually be a hint that we are watching another simulation. I mean, it could be. Uh, <laughs> they did clue us into that in the previous seasons of Westworld or the last season, you know, where they would letterbox it to, to give you the clue or at yeah. least. So if they're That's playing true. by their own rules, then we're not, but you can't guarantee they are playing by their own rules. Yeah. I also thought that was, um, was funny because there was the irony there wouldn't he says something like, wouldn't it be crazy if they put a simulation in a simulation? And that's what was happening in season two of Westworld. <laughs> right. I mean, I just wouldn't be surprised by the end of this whole series that they end it with like a Twilight Zone style capper that says, oh, it's all fake or something. Could be. I, I kind of hope they don't do that because yeah. that's kind of the cheapest ending possible. It was all a dream. <laughs> yeah. In that same scene, I liked where... um Dolores traced a line on his head and said, there's a part of your brain that is made to make you believe in God or something. And he said, well, I'm an atheist. And she said, well, your brain is still built to believe. And I, I just think that's really interesting to think about because I do think that we're, we tend to want some kind of a higher authority, even if we're atheists. And that could also just be a commentary on technology and turning things over to an AI and stuff like that. Yeah, we like an authority figure, sometimes very often to our detriment. <laughs> yep. All right, anything else you want to say about it? Uh, that's it. Okay, we'll take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. You want to live like common people. You want to see whatever common people see. Want to sleep with common people. You want to sleep with common people like me. But she didn't. All right, we're back. We're just going to do a little bit of listener feedback from you guys, and then we'll wrap it up. Would you like to start, David? Sure. Sarah Larkham says, I love this episode. It was so extraordinary, but I felt the Bernard parts were the only weak points of the episode. It's interesting that we're seeing the competition of Delos and how they are benefiting from the Park Massacre. Liam's bodyguard is played by Tommy Flanagan, who is in Sons of Anarchy. That guy's really good. I liked him. He, yeah, he's got an intenseness about him. He does. Grippy Bob Dabolino says, wow, totally along the same lines as before. Story building, world building. Loved it when both Dolores and Bernard kicked butt. Loved how Bernard goes into prompt mode and then follows through on it. Have you ever lied to me? Of course not, LOL. We've all heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> as you said, there is no other answer to that question. <laughs> right. 
Um, and, and it's funny that he would even ask that question. Like, I what, know. What answer could you what get? What does he expect? Cindy Barrick says, I love how not Charlotte says robots don't kill people, people kill people, and then proceeds to blame the whole park fiasco on Bernard, who never was a people. <laughs> good point. Yeah, that was a good line. Pake Allen says, still too early for me to try to start piecing things together, but it started really strong. Quite a strange feeling having the whole episode take place in a futuristic real world. Aaron Paul was great, and I can't wait to see the story of his character, but it was also a nice treat to see Kid Cootie and Tommy Flanagan. Excited to see what this season holds. Us too. Diana Driscoll says, some nice cameos I wasn't expecting. Lena Waite, Tommy Flanagan. Um, yeah, and I'm going to add Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch. And Michael Darwin says, one, really liking your recap episode, which I'm in the middle of now. Thank you. Well, in the first fifth of, I have my own Westworld podcast, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, and I'm finishing my season two rewatch a little late. Two, an episode like this has to do so much world building, it's hard to have a compelling narrative. It's almost all set up with little payoff, which is fine if you're committed to the show, but not a good jumping on point for new people. It's an interesting world they have crafted, and Aaron Paul looks like a great addition to the cast. Yeah, I don't know if it was new. Would you know Dolores was a host? This just does not seem like a show you could jump in in the middle yeah. and have it make any sense I'm whatsoever. Curious. Yeah. <laughs> I I have a friend who um, loves Better Call Saul and never saw Breaking Bad. That's interesting. Like, dude, dude, you should watch it. You know, I wonder if you might like Better Call Saul better if you hadn't seen Breaking Bad. Because uh, I enjoy Better Call Saul, but I can't break free of Breaking Bad. Like I, I'm yeah, always waiting it for it to connect to Breaking Bad, be more right, like Breaking right. Bad. It bugs me <laughs> that they're older instead of younger. That it bugs might, me. Yeah. yeah, it might might be better if it, it was just its own thing. That's a good point. He continues three. I love Tommy Flanagan of Sons of Anarchy, and he's a good guy in person too. I had no idea who was going to be on the show, so that gave me a small thrill. With his character's fate, it's clear the show is moving into future world territory. This will be fun. Four, Evan Rachel Wood is just so good as Dolores, switching between charming and menacing in a blink. Did you notice the straps on her dress formed a Westworld logo? No. Oh, I did not notice that. Um, but she is amazing. Yeah, she's good. Five, much as I was intrigued by the episode, the only part I found truly compelling was the post credit sequence. I love Maeve, easily my favorite character in the show, and this opens up a host of questions. When is this happening? Is she a host again? How did she reawaken? Does she still have her power to control the hosts? Those are all good questions. She has the power to eat, beat the crap out of them. <laughs> Six, only complaint about the episode is I couldn't make out exactly how Dolores got out of her situation. I saw a blade, but where did it spring from? I'm not sure what he's talking about there. Uh, he's saying in the car. So when they oh. were trying to poison her and, yeah. and then um, the and Martin freaked out cause he saw his doppelganger and started to call the guys over. And then somehow a blade like sprang out from between her hands and she, she stabbed somebody with it. Yeah. I wasn't sure what Martin saw either. I, I thought it was probably that, but it was a little unclear. It, it, I didn't get it the first time right away, but mm -hmm. I think it's pretty clear he saw himself. Yeah, and, and it just threw out. him off. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> "What is happening?" As it here? would. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know if he figured exactly out what was going on in that moment, or just he knew something was wrong. Right. <laughs> 
Okay, and we got one more from a little lady called Karen Morvey. <laughs> Never heard says, of her. <laughs> Hi, David and Jason. Longtime listener, first time writing in. Did she ever guess with us? She needs to come on. I, I think she did once, and I actually told her tonight, you know, you could just step into the room and tell us what you think. She's like, nah, it's more fun to write in. <laughs> she says, I have some thoughts on the Westworld episode. One, everyone always underestimates Dolores. Fools. It's fun to watch her kick their asses. <laughs> That's right. That's true. Two, yeah, and it, I even also, I even almost wonder if it wasn't part of her plan to get incapacitated and end up in that tunnel with Martin. I mean, I don't know how you could plan that, but it did seem to play right into her hands, the whole thing. And she was kind of playing dead the whole time. I mean, she at least had a backup plan. Right. Right. Yeah. Two, the scene in the Delos HQ boardroom with Charlotte Hale. Who is she really guesses? Um, Teddy. She says, my favorite moment was when dude was mansplaining to Charlotte and she hit the mute button. If only that existed <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> um, Teddy is, seems to be the first guest that comes to everybody's mind. Like every, I was just kidding. I was, just whoa, kidding. I gotcha. Well, every, every host that I don't know who it is. I'm like, is that Teddy? Yeah. Right. But then again, Teddy, I know she saved his control unit, but, um, he kind of didn't like what she did to him and killed himself. So I don't know. No, he went into the Valley beyond. I mean, she, you know, if she still has that control unit, that probably means she still has a copy of him. But I really right. felt like when he went into the Valley Beyond that that, that was, was the end. His happy yeah. ending. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, three, love the sleep aid. Can we get that for today? I would love to dial in a solid eight hours. Not only that, but you can also crank it up and work for a solid 16 too. Yeah. And um, it's probably got a setting for global pandemic stress. <laughs> <laughs> it's just blissed out yeah uh for dolores convertible dress black cocktail dress and then a presto gown that was a real power move five dolores explained to the dude up at the rooftop party about the tiny little place in humans brains that let them believe in a higher power it's one pi- 1.5 inches long <laughs> six lena waith marshawn lynch his t-shirt amused angry i could watch their buddy movie forever yeah they were pretty good I, yeah. I bet you they'll be back. I'm that sure. could be that could be a little side buddy movie. Mm-hmm. Seven during the first watch without captions, I thought the company name was Insight. I n s i g h t. Love that it's actually i n c i t e. Perfect. Eight crime at Rico. Redistributive justice is the tagline. Perfect. And that's of course named after the some act that was anti uh, mafia that gets right. brought up in Sopranos all the time racketeering corrupt organization it's the act used to prosecute organized crime mm-hmm. and nine is uh high san francisco skyline keep up the great work you're going to keep me company on my run tomorrow hi karen faster faster nice she's gonna have to go on a long run to, to consume all, all of our podcasts <laughs> All right, that is our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, David. Feels like we slid back into it pretty easy. Yeah, I think so. I, I felt like yeah. it was a long wait for the show, um, yeah. but it's uh, really fun to be podcasting about it again. Absolutely. 
Um, as I mentioned, you know, we did our, I did a recap. And if you want to hear our earlier coverage, you can go to westworldcast.com. If you want to leave feedback for us on any of the new episodes, you can email us at westworld at podcastica.com. Or you can send a voice message to westworld at podcastica.com and maybe we will play it on the air. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash housepodcastica. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. Believe it or not, Walking Dead is really good right now. Um, It's actually, I know not everyone pays attention to the critics, but Rotten Tomatoes gives seasons 9 and 10, the most recent ones, the highest marks of the whole series and I can totally see why it's just been really really good so I'm having fun with that and I'm also doing um, Lock and Key on Strange Indeed and that's a really fun Netflix kind of magical teen show it's really good nice yeah we watched that first episode with you in uh, Santa Cruz and there's there are so many shows on we have not gotten back to it but I think we probably will yeah yeah let me know what you think I'd be curious to know what you think Next episode of this podcast, Westworld, Season 3, Episode 2, The Winter Line. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Make money, motherfucker.